and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Sandy Davies, I am beside myself with excitement to have this interview with you. And for anyone that's listening, you don't know, but we've both got pink hair. So it's the Pink Haired Ladies Brigade today. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, thanks, Jules. Um, really been looking forward to this all week long. I'm just so excited to be here. This is awesome. Well, I am dying to hear your story. And obviously from your accent, you didn't start off here. So it's going to be a beauty, I can tell. But let's start (laughs) with what are you doing now? Do you want to tell everybody what you're up to these days? Yeah. So what I'm doing now is um, I was forced out of semi-retirement because I had a few complications with perimenopause. Okay. I actually, unfortunately, I find so much of us, so many of us don't actually understand the whole menopause transition. No. Because the information just isn't out there for us. So I went again and again to my GP and living somewhere remote and rural, it's an entire day yes. to go to your GP. Because you're far north <laughs> Queensland, aren't you, just for anyone who's listening? Yeah, for anyone who's listening, I'm 11 kilometers from the end of the electricity grid, right oh up in the day <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would call remote. <laughs> That'll be why we were having challenges with the internet as well. So, so what did you do? Tell everybody what the name of your business is. Yeah, so my business is called Happy Paws because after being told it was just perimenopause and kind of, you know, just, you know, get on with it and endure, I thought that's not good enough. No. And I created a balm called Happy Paws that helps us with one of those 34 <laughs> symptoms that can impact us. <laughs> and what symptom would that be, Sandy? <laughs> so the symptom that I had the most trouble with was intimate dryness right. and everybody's journey is different. But for me, I found solving the dryness solution just gave me my groove and my confidence to deal with anything else that was flung at me. Wow. So, um, and it's called happy pause. So why did you set it up? I mean, you've told us that there wasn't much. I remember so clearly about, I'm 55 now, I think about 10 years ago, I joined a book club and all the women were about four or five years older than me and they were all talking about perimenopause and I'd never even heard of it. Had no idea what it was, which for anyone listening is the lead up to full menopause, which is when your periods stop completely for a year is when you've got, you're in full menopause, but you have about quite a few years often for people before that where you're kind of stopping and starting and starting to feel dry and not being able to sleep terribly well and all those sorts of things. So that was happening to you. Yeah, so that was happening to me. And, you know, and I really didn't understand. Like when my GP kept saying it's just perimenopause, I kept thinking, oh, my goodness, menopause is going to be so awful for me. What I didn't realize is that perimenopause is where it all yeah, happens. Yeah. And, and perimenopause is where, you know, everything is going up and down and hormone fluctuations. And I created happy pause because I ordered products from Sweden, from America, from Germany, even a hemp one from Mexico. I tried everything because I had such a horrific allergic reaction to the chemical product I was recommended. 
Yeah, you don't no. want that in your nether region. <laughs> Let's be honest. No, you don't. So. And, and that's now part of why I guess I always go on and say about if you feel good down there, you feel good everywhere. Because that allergic reaction just made me think, there's got to be a better solution. Yeah, absolutely. So was there a bit of a light bulb moment? Was there something that happened, I'm assuming, somewhere around this testing and getting allergic reactions where you went, I can do, I'm going to actually create something? Yeah, and, and I have to actually give, well, I have to give my chemistry teacher from high school a bit of credit. <laughs> I was his biggest disappointment at 18 when I decided chemical engineering wasn't for me. So for him, I've made him proud like 30 years later. (laughs) (laughs) But was there something that kind of triggered you deciding to do it for yourself or did you make it for yourself and then decide to put it on the market or or what happened? Yeah, well, there was. It was just – so for anyone that's tried any of the the options, they know there's a huge applicator, it's a massive dose – it's usually a cream, so it comes back out of your intimate region and clumps. You have to wear a panty liner. It just does so many things to make you feel, is this all yeah. there is left? Where's my natural beauty and my sexy vibe and my feeling like I've got this? And because none of that was there, even with the natural options I tried from overseas, I just went back to the drawing board and I came up with just a magic power punch that worked for me. And I thought, other people have to be dealing with this as well. It needs to be available for all yeah. of us. And, and then I had this big silver lining because it turns out that dryness isn't just a thing for perimenopause and postmenopause. It's something that you deal with with chemo and then with the cancer recovery journey and with endurance training as well. And I just, I didn't know there was such a circle that had need for this. And so, um, how did you create it? I mean, is it mainly, I mean, I don't want you to give away your secret recipe, of course, but (laughs) what is it that you've got that's different to everyone else? I mean, what's it made out of? Is it coconut? I'm imagining you up in far North (laughs) Queensland lying on the beach under a coconut tree going, light bulb moment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, it it actually was even a little bit like that because – I just found so many ingredients didn't work and I was having a few disasters and then I tried macadamia oil and it didn't really do the job, but coconut oil did and it's got so many antibacterial properties, but the only drama with coconut oil was like any other oil, like olive oil or any others that are screwed. It didn't last. It didn't have longevity. So I had a few disasters trying to come up with something to give it longevity and then I hit a home run. Yeah, well, you certainly did, and I'm so delighted <laughs> that you've done it. So now I want to hear all about your life and your story to now, and obviously it's going to take us right through to retirement and then coming out. But um, where did you grow up? Where, where, when you were a little girl, did you have brothers and sisters? And, you know, what did your family do? What did your parents do? Yeah, well, I was born and raised in Kansas. Oh, Kansas, like Dorothy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I just kicked the shoes. (laughs) Um, Yes, I was born and raised in Kansas, right in the geographical center of the U.S. Um, I started out in a very little farm town. Um, So was your dad a farmer? 
my my both of my parents were the kids that went off the oh, farm. Okay. <laughs> and my dad came back from World War II. He'd served in the Navy in the yeah. Pacific. And he came back and one of the other men that he had served with, his dad was beginning to build a chain of grocery okay. stores. And he employed all of the men who would serve oh with my, his son as oh managers. Oh, my God, that is the most beautiful story. Isn't that gorgeous? It, it was just lovely. And it was just so beautiful, I don't know, for, I guess, a father to understand what his sons had been through, had endured. That's right. Yeah. And also, and also that and the, bond that men have when they've gone to war. I mean, even now you hear about the Vietnam vets that still catch up with each other because they know what each other have gone through and can support. So the idea of someone employing the, the guys that were all in the same platoon together or whatever, I just love it because it just lets them recover together. Yeah, well, and I think it probably did alleviate a lot of the mental health problems yeah. that accompanied a lot of other soldiers because they had that network, even through work and through back then, you know, a corporate thing was you only went on vacation with yeah, the company. Right. So you, you know, we'd haul off to Colorado for a week and the kids all think it was a great holiday, but it was actually a bit of a working holiday for the managers. All, yeah, you know, right. And then what did you, I mean, did you have brothers and sisters? Yes, yeah, so I had two older brothers. Um, brothers were sixteen and eighteen. Oh my when goodness! I was born. Right. So, so, so you were you the oops baby? So, <laughs> I, I was the, the perimenopause baby, baby um, maybe. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. I um, It was actually really nice of my mum. She um, she reckoned there was something missing Aww. her whole life, and she felt like me as as her daughter was that last dream that she'd always wanted which was just so That's, beautiful and affirming yeah it's, well it's gorgeous and i bet it was true because you know you grow up with a house full of mm. boys you probably well i have grown up myself with a house full of boys three brothers and now three sons you do kind of yearn for a mm. little bit of um femininity so how lovely for her that, that you came along so what, what did your mum do was she stay-at-home mum so she was a stay-at-home mum in that era. Um, but then, unfortunately, even though my dad being manager of a grocery store started out as a lovely story with corporate takeovers in the 80s, nobody really cared about no. the human purpose or the connection. And um, when the grocery store was taken over by a larger national chain, they actually drove through and removed each manager. Oh, no. And the first manager on the edge of the state rang all the other managers and said, this is happening. And no one wanted to believe it. No one could believe that someone they'd served would do that to them. father would do that in his company. And and it just happened like oh, a domino effect. And for my, a number of the managers committed suicide. For oh, my, my dad, goodness. he struggled with severe depression. So our family moved and my mom, for the first time at age 50, had to find a way to bring in some money, help our family through that. Yeah, oh, so Dad, I can't believe having just said what a gorgeous idea it was that they then went and did that. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So what were you, so what sort of age are you when all of this is happening? So when all that was happening, okay. I was 12. Uh, um, so I ended up in a new school with quite a bit uh, of bullying 
So it was a hard transition. Oh, that's not fair. So how did you deal with the bullying? Did your parents sort of help you, brothers? I guess brothers were old and out of, you know, married and or whatever, moved out of home a long time by then. Yeah, well, they were out of home by then. But it was actually kind of funny with my brothers. With my brother who was 18 years older, I was the biggest embarrassment <laughs> that ever could have landed on the planet. <laughs> Like, uh, no. mom and dad had to, you know what, for yeah, right. <laughs> No child wants to think that. No 18-year-old son wants to think that of his parents. I get that. But that's a pity. <laughs> but with my um, with my middle brother, he just thought it was the best thing ever. He recognized better than puppy. <laughs> so he dragged me along everywhere. And even though he was out of house then, I do credit him during my bullying experience with being the reason that I didn't fight back with violence. Oh, what did he say? He, he just, he would repeatedly tell me that it's not, it's, it's, I guess it sounds a bit simple, but he would repeatedly tell me it's not worth it. And if you sink down, she's won. Oh, he's very smart, and his, wasn't he? His, he was, and he just always encouraged me just to hold my head high and watch. And kind of don't sink to their level, and, I guess. Is oh, what a lovely yeah. brother! And it was so complicated at the time because I intervened with someone who right. was disabled, which is why then the bullying escalated and persisted. And the kids in the what was called back then the yeah. special needs class all saw me as their friend with all capital letters and just idolized You've been their hero. You were their hero and their champion. So there was no way I could even act like I felt like those girls were impacting me or better than me or their meanness worked. So was that all the way through high school? No, I was quite lucky. It was just one. Yeah, it was year seven. That's the year. And it went that's the year. Oh, they always get like that, don't they? Yeah. I mean, I, that's happened to me at a similar age, right? So, um, after the first year, did you enjoy school? Were you yes, good at I it? Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> you can um, say now it's so was, long ago; it doesn't of- matter. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I did. I loved it. And, you know, being a brainiac and a nerd was probably part of what led to the bullying as well. Cause you know, coaches and teachers don't understand when they, when they pick when they, you out oh, and no. say, now, why don't you all be like Sandy? Because Sandy's done whatever, that it's going to bring down the rest of them going, <laughs> we don't like you. You're the smarty pants. <laughs> um, but, but you had a happy time and, and you obviously did chemistry because you mentioned the chemistry teacher. So what did you, <laughs> did you go through to year 12 or end of school, whatever that is in America? Yeah, so, yeah I went all the way through to year 12 and at the end of year 12, not doing chemical <laughs> engineering because um, I wanted to be a professional clarinetist. Oh, wow, Sandy. So you, do you still play? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. no. Well, tell me what happened. Um, I, I probably got a bit ahead of myself. <laughs> well, actually, so now it's actually quite beautiful because I tried to play when we moved north and I realised my lips were gone and – my skill had deteriorated. And in the same process, one of my best friends from high school, his son was turning 15 and he'd been playing clarinet in the marching band. 
and they were looking at getting a good performance clarinet so that his main his other clarinet could be the marching one to be subject to weather. I got to send my clarinet back to America and get someone else to play on this beautiful professional wood clarinet that had been handcrafted. Wow. So so when you leave school and you want to be a clarinetist, what did what did you do? I'm really intrigued by this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the, the American university system is a little bit different yeah. to the Australian system because you still have to do a bit of humanities okay. across discipline. So I tootled off to college as the first person in my family. Congratulations. And it was really lovely. And it was so val- it's so validating actually now looking back at the women that saw something in me that – recommended me for scholarships right and of course yeah. i did the hard work to get the scholarships but if you didn't have people above you pushing you forward and saying the name yeah eventually wow amazing so you so, so so did you get a scholarship did you i don't know anyway i'm gonna stop asking questions you tell me what happened next <laughs> yeah well so back then in Australia, uni would have been either just, you know, you would have had a few hex fees or there would have been no fee. But it was still quite a fee-based system over there. So I ended up with four different scholarships that contributed then to me. Oh, my goodness, Sandy. To, uh, four scholarships definitely says you were a brainiac. So where did you go? <laughs> um, so I went to yeah. Kansas State University. So in America, I had my vision set on Boston College or Southern Methodist University, but they're very expensive tuition um, universities with a very small opening for people with scholarship. So I went to what was called an open university that believed in the potential of all. So I was able to apply my scholarship. Probably a nicer place to be anyway in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And I think. In America, everyone gets so focused on a prestigious name for undergrad where if you can go to somewhere like that with that vision of lifting up, you have better connection to the professors, better opportunities. I had better opportunities. I wouldn't be in Australia now if I hadn't gone to my little agricultural open college that propelled me then into a situation where I received a rotary Right, so tell us that story. Australia. I want to hear. So so you came to you came to Australia a long time ago when you were in your sort of early 20s. Yeah, I've been in Aussie for 30 years now. I had my 30th birthday oh, three weeks ago. congratulations. <laughs> wow. Okay. So um, so tell me, how did all that eventuate? What happened? How did you end up here? Yeah, so I went from playing one symphony, one solo symphony in college to realizing that I wanted music to be a part of my soul, but I wanted other things okay. in my professional world. And I started studying social justice and education and women's studies. And through that, I discovered a professor in Nigeria that I wanted to study with, was awarded a Rotary Fellowship um, as an ambassador of goodwill to do my master's degree. And then, as happened in that era, there was violence and an American professor was shot on Uh. campus at the University of Edmonton. And they said, no, 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 no. So I was offered University of Otago in Dunedin or the University of New South Wales. And lucky for me, uh, I well, let's just the talk University about that because Wales. you're a small town country girl from Canvas, Kansas, obviously pretty close with your parents, and you decide to go to Australia. How, how did that go down? <laughs> 
Um, so with my grandparents, my grandma on my dad's side loved that my mother yeah. raised me with a mouth and with a voice yeah. and with a brain. But her mother was absolutely distraught that she never taught her daughter her station. <laughs> know your place in life. <laughs> so I'm very thankful for the ways that my mother just relentlessly. She does sound amazing, no boundaries. Flat. But still, she, I mean, yeah, tell me what, it, what it's like when you decide to go to uni on the other side of the world when your parents pro- probably hadn't been to Australia, I'm assuming, have they? No. And my, my dad had traveled during the war, and then when my mom had reentered the work, workforce, she had gone to oh, right. Brazil okay. on a, a work trip. But that was about it. And um, unfortunately, in a little town in Kansas, when you decide that you have eyes on things that are bigger, there's just not a lot of people that want to blow breath under your wings. And the biggest thing that my mom heard repeatedly was, with a judgment tone, how can you let Sandy go? I love your mum. I just love her. I mean, really having to put up with that as if that's anyone else's business anyway. But, okay, so you jumped on a plane and you came here. What was that like? What was it like getting off yeah. the plane and having a look around in Sydney? So getting off the plane, I literally getting off the plane, yes. back then you still had to get onto the tarmac and then walk in. And I honestly felt like Mary Tyler Moore. This, like in the opening of Mary Tyler Moore, she spins around and looks at New York City. And that was how I felt. Like we'd come in over the Opera House and the bridge. And all that and come water around, as well as where you're coming from, Kansas. <sighs> yeah, the ocean. I just, I just twirled around and it just pinched me. And I was so committed to making the most of every single day of my 12 months in a world-class yeah. city. Yeah, well, that that's true. Safe. No guns. As well, like Australia was, yeah, Australia was so safe. You could do anything. You could, you could go to the city and walk back at night. And, oh, um, I'm so pleased amazing. to hear that. So, what did you study in Sydney? So okay. I studied social policy, and um, it was a bit of a different twist to what I had intended to be studying in Nigeria. But it was also the year that one of the first government studies on girls, federal studies on girls to come out in Australia with that gap of education yeah. between girls and boys. Um, so studied largely that gap in school of the air and distance education. But there was also a few things that had happened at the time with children with hemophilia right. who had contracted AIDS and they weren't allowed access to crazy thank goodness really for lady die because i so clearly mm. remember her sh- sitting down holding hands and everything that just made such a difference to everyone around the world i hope it shamed all those people who were you know making putting obstacles but anyway okay so you were studying that mm-hmm. and you did a 12 month was did you say it was only 12 months you were coming over for yeah, the funding was only for 12 months, um, and back then a graduate degree was usually a two-year program, and I just knuckled down, you know, head down, and 
doubled my course load because I wanted to. I didn't want to walk away without being completed, but I only oh had my goodness, Sandy, that's needs. amazing! So you basically squashed two years into one. And then, how did you end up staying? Yeah. On what and what happened after that when you left uni? Yeah, well, it was actually midway through uni, and I had a friend that was a marine biologist who was coming up to Queensland. I decided to come with her for three days. Thirty years later, <laughs> so I, was, <laughs> I was just coming for a little bit, and then flying back for my coursework. And this lovely man was doing these four-wheel drive right. adventure tours to Fraser Island, and he brought me a cup of percolated And that coffee. was it. You fell in love with him. And that was it. We just – he was never, ever getting married again because he had brought his two daughters out from Wales and had yeah. created a stable life for them. I had back in Kansas on my car a bumper sticker that said, a woman needs a man <laughs> like a fish needs a bicycle. <laughs> and marriage was not a part of my life equation until at least 35 so we both broke our rules because this soulmate thing happened that we weren't oh, I really love expecting it. or prepared um, for one second <laughs> I'm going to mark this clip. Um, your microphone is moving around as you go. Can you put it, it – the mic part of it is just rubbing on your dress and everything, so I'm getting a bit of crackle. Can you just oh, stick it there? And then let's see. keep going because oh, I'm loving yeah. all of this. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, what happened next? What, 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 what did you do after you fell in love? I mean, was that the end of uni or was he a student? Well, tell me more. Um. No, so yeah, it's actually quite funny because the number of people that used to say to me when I first moved to Harvey Bay, oh, what a pity <laughs> you didn't finish your degree. I was like, what? I, I met him, but I was doing yeah. my degree. Come on. <laughs> what did he do? Well, what does he do? What and, does he do? Um, I should ask. And we had a deal. So okay. um, he's a motor mechanic by trade. And had an adventure oh business for this Fraser is all Island. Just all dovetailing perfectly. Uh, well, it, and yeah, for me, I just, it was some mornings I would wake up and just go, pinch me. I can't believe that I'm on the edge of the Coral Sea, thriving on a World Heritage listed sand island. This is so far from anything I ever imagined as a child in Kansas. And I guess. That's one of those things. That is a great little nugget for everyone to do. Be open for opportunities. Opportunities happen when you let go is my other favorite saying. Like just let go of things and wait and it'll all come to you. Absolutely. And and just be willing to say yes. Well, that's right. I mean, I I guess I've always been adventurous that way as well because what have you got to lose? The the worst thing that can happen is you just go back to where you were before, but it might lead you in a whole new direction, which it obviously did with you. So did you – so you Uh, went up for two days with your friend, fell in love with your um, hubby or partner. Did you then just go and start working mm -hmm. with him or did you find a job nearby? What did you do? Yeah. No, so I, I finished my degree, um, and then there weren't many opportunities for academics in the wide bay. So okay. I went back to teaching high school, and um, and 
It's actually so many years have passed now from that that I don't get as many letters from students. But one of my big things I used to do with every class was at the end of term, I would make them watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And it was all for that last scene. I was going to say, if it was nowadays, you'd do Thelma and Louise for the the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Take that leap into the unknown. Yeah. You know, have that courage. Do it. Um, so I used to get emails from kids oh. that would say, oh, miss, oh, I left. Oh, you're gorgeous. Look. What a great teacher you would have been. I, I just Even just looking at you, I wish you'd been my teacher. So um, so you studied, you, you were teaching at high school. How long did you end up doing that for? Yeah, so I was back teaching at high school. I was there for two and a bit terms. And the deal that Harry and I had was, Seven years. I had to give it seven years in Harvey Bay for the girls to finish school. And then I could right. go anywhere okay. in the world for my PhD. But the we just needed to give the girls your stability. And, about, is that right? And that. Okay. Yeah. So two girls Gorgeous. by marriage. Um, yeah. And they're Gorgeous. my children okay. at heart. So, they, so, so you, you did the seven years. Um. And then by that time that seven years had passed, I was so far into our new life that I didn't even think about a PhD because midway through that seven years, I was in class one day and the principal came and said, I need to take over your class. There's a call for you. I I get to the office and my husband said, there's been an emergency on Fraser Island. I've got to go. There's 70 people in the office. Just look oh after goodness. them when you get here. <laughs> So I left, I left my classroom, went to our business and he was just pulling out and I'd come in the back. He was at the front pulling out. He threw the keys over all of the people in the queue. I caught the keys and he said, you can do this. The answer <laughs> is yes. Well. <laughs> so, so what but happened? So he had to disappear for that what a day <laughs> and you just had to deal with all these people and go, hi, I don't know what I'm doing, but let me help you. What can I do? Right. And from that day yeah. on, you, you started working in the office with him? Yeah, I just I started doing little bits and then bigger bits and then bigger bits. And then by midterm, it was, well, I've got this other adventurous teaching, life that, you know, I had never expected. A new life so how long did you do that for? Was that sort of like a big, long chunk of your life, the two of you running that business? Wow. Yeah, so we did that for nearly 20 years. Um And then both our girls entered adulthood. They hit their groove. They were both happy. Our eldest had become a police officer. Our youngest was on her way to Mount Isa to become a tradie. So we upped stakes and found new owners for our business. Found a beautiful young couple for our business. And then we- So how long ago was that? Semi-retired up to far north Queensland. Oh, wow. That was 15 years ago. All right. And so why far north Queensland? And where, whereabouts? I'm not incredibly familiar. I know Cape Troop and, and I know Cairns. But anyway, tell us where you are. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm halfway between those two destinations. Oh, so halfway right. between Cairns and Cape Troop. And Trib, why there? What, what, do, I mean, when you re- um, semi-retired or retired, I know your email address is writing in paradise. Was there a plan? There was a plan in that I'd always dreamed of being an author and I had a go at a fiction romance and I had 
I'd had the opportunity to work with a board of elders doing a cultural and language recording program. And after that, I had this go at, at writing a fiction book. And in my reviews down south, the feedback was, this can't be possible. Um, it's not a credible, believable romance because it was someone what? non-Indigenous with someone Indigenous oh in a remote goodness. location. Is that just a, Yeah. Uh, I don't even understand <laughs> that as a criticism. Oh. And it just, I don't know, for me, for some reason, I know that everyone says, oh, keep went, submitting, no. keep submitting. But I just sort of shut that book because we were so happy with, with our idyllic. life and what we were doing. <laughs> and, and I'd had a bit of a, <laughs> I had a really crazy moment. Um, so I should actually tell this for any yeah, other absolutely. people out there with a bucket list or anything like that. Um, everything in our life is icing. Every single moment creating happy pause, every sale, everything we do is icing because about 12 years ago, um, we did, well, 15 years ago, my husband did the last thing on his list. 12 years ago, we did the thing that had been a part of my dream. Well, hang on, it's you really can't just thing, to it. It's what, part what, of my what dream since I was <laughs> 20. <laughs> so I'm what a does tragic that mean? You like parrot head. So a parrot head is a Jimmy Buffett fan. So Jimmy Buffett, the songwriter and balladeer from the seventies. If you're a serious diehard fan, you're called a parrot head. Um, because he sings of, you know, tropical seascapes and a tropical escape. So, you know, people in Cincinnati in six foot of snow in the winter, they put on bright colors and wear parrot hats and dress like they're in the tropics. And it just then, and and listen to Jimmy Buffett. So then the parrot head moniker just began to stick and grow through the nineties and the early two thousands. And there's a whole tribe of parrot heads all across the world. In America, they even have retirement villages now that are built by Margarita (laughs) Ville Enterprises. (laughs) So the dream was obviously to go and see him or, or or do something like that. Was it? Yeah. I'd wanted to see him for so long and, and we had a little, we had a couple of road bumps in our life that drained any of our savings and resources. And Jimmy Buffett had been in Australia in the 90s during an America's Cup, but he hadn't been back again. Came back in 2011. Stop it. And we got front row. Oh my God. That is amazing. Well, um, we didn't actually, it was back in the old days of, you know, clicking and, or phoning, and we didn't actually get front row seats on the first go. Up in the we nose had like XX <laughs> yeah. wherever, but at least we had seats. And the opera house, their system crashed because they didn't realize there was going to be so right. much interest in Jimmy Buffett. They thought he was just a folk singer. System crashed, and it was this panic of getting back in, getting back in, <gasps> getting back in. And then we got back in front row seats. So no, you I didn't. stole some other poor bastard. No, you didn't. You could think of the, the, the other way around. You got back the seats you should have had the first time around. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, like so when you both ticked off everything on your bucket list, you did say there were a couple of blips. Is it anything that you would be up for talking about or not really? 
I, right. I would love that's to talk where we about learn. both and it, splits. And it's also, because... I always think great to hear someone talk about that mm. because it makes you kind of go, okay, you know, I'm not the only one or if anything happens, there are ways for me to survive it. And So go for it. Absolutely. And, and I'm so big on even in the worst moments of grief, joy eventually returns. Um, but for us, the, the first big blip we had was my brother committed oh, suicide no. the night before his 40th birthday. Devastating. And it was, it was a devastating tragedy and like a Shakespearean style tragedy of all the factors that combined, but it left my parents broken and my dad and oh, brother have been best oh. friends and had a business together and they just, my parents for five years tried so hard to claw back their pre-Gary life and they just oh, couldn't no. grieve the journey together. Um, so I had num- numerous trips back to visit my parents with what had probably been like, you know, a holiday or rainy yeah. day fund, but we drained that because they were in need. And then it just reached a point where they couldn't, finish their lives oh, together. What a tragedy. So they divorced, which once a, in a little town to divorce the same year, <gasps> it would have been your 50th <sighs> oh, anniversary. Oh, goosebumps. It, That's just, yeah. It just doesn't. So, mm. gosh, uh, did, did either of them come over here to be with you or? Yes. So my dad, we, we relocated him back to the town where he had been born, where two of his sisters were still alive and everyone in the town where he was born and the town where they'd been living, of course, Why? my mom was the worst pariah ever. Um, oh, like if she was doing the for D it. word in a, oh. she was totally blamed for it, which was, it, it was such a, just, I don't know. You hate, yeah. the world sometimes and the way people are so quick to judge um, because it was a journey they decided together and you've got Especially to admire after her 50 having years strength of being to not with drown. Someone. I mean, being on your own is a very scary step to take. So it, it also speaks to what the relationship was like that she still felt that she had to do it. So did she come over and live here with you or live near you? Yeah, so she came, she came over and lived near us. Well, the intention was we found a little fibro just around the corner. It was perfect for her. We bought this house for her, did it all up. But she wasn't quite ready, and she spent six months still staying in our guest room and walking <laughs> and around back. her house for breakfast or lunch. And then gradually she would have dinner and come back. And it wasn't until we finally said, you know, is there anything we need to do? Are you scared? Do, you know, do one of the girls need to come and stay with you? What's happening? And she said... I grew up in a small farmhouse, my sister and I, and then when other sisters come, we were oh, all in the same room together. Yeah, well, I've never been I can alone. relate to that. that. It's scary. It's weird. Ah. But she eventually got settled in. She found her own groove. And then we were actually wanting to move north and have a change. But she was so her. settled that we weren't sure that we wanted to sort of uproot her and 
we'd come up for a family holiday, all of us up here. And we'd been back about six weeks and we were really busy in our business. And my mom used like her Sandra mom tone, instead of Sandy. you know, like you use with your 14 year old, but we're grown. <laughs> yeah. Now you kids, you need to come around for dinner. You're coming around for dinner on Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> and, yes, mom. <laughs> but we were so busy and it was, we just, she's using that tone. We have to go. So we get there and she puts her cutlery down and she says, now you kids, I know something special happened when we were on holiday. If you <sighs> kids want to move north, I'm moving north. Don't you set aside wow. any dreams and visions because She's of me. Amazing. <laughs> she was absolutely the biggest ray of sunshine and I still feel like she's on my shoulders. Oh, often. She would have been so proud I with bet. the creation of Happy Paws. And she and her best friend often used to complain about <laughs> vaginitis in whispered tones. Is it because which is the old-fashioned oh, yeah, 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 name I'm for of the other one dryness. where you're very tight oh, is vagismus, I think. But, but yeah. Anyway, all right. So, yeah, oh, I'm yeah. sure she would have been yeah. incredibly proud. So <laughs> this is the moving away from Harvey Bay and moving up north moment. Okay, and then what happened when you got up there? I mean, what do you yeah. do when you send me? I mean, you must have been very young if it was 15 years ago. <coughs> yeah, so, yeah, it was actually quite young because yeah, I was just young. turning 40 and my so husband was just turning 50. Yeah, go on. Um, and he spent, uh, he, he spent the year of 50 building a house as a bit of a solo experience as well. Like I kept thinking we'd get a crew in, but we'd worked so hard for so long in our right. business and seven days a week, 10 to 12 hour days. And he just loved the solitude of it. And he had 12 months of oh solitude God, with just me as really a laborer. Bonding for the two of you as well it. to kind of share that journey. And that was the house presumably you live in. Is, is that right? Yeah, it's the house we live in now, and and we actually, when we moved up here, my mum was near nearing her mid seventies. So what we did instead of buying right. another house for her, we designed our house around her. So I'm actually downstairs now in our happy pause oh, area wow. okay. that was her self-contained flat. So whenever we batch, whenever we do happy pause, we're surrounded by all of her energy and light because if we hadn't been so willing and open to building our lives around her and her feeling independent and capable and resilient. Now. We wouldn't have had oh, I love it. the opportunity and the means to do that. Okay, well, yeah. you are an extraordinary woman. Now, I've got some other little loose questions to ask you. One is, um, and I know you're going to love this one, um, because this is about women, and I don't think that women are give, made visible enough anywhere, um, one of the things I like to ask, uh, in your career, have there been any women that have helped you? Um, in, in I guess it's that idea of women lifting other women up. And if so, do you want to tell us their name and how they helped you? Because I think we should, you know, talk about all of these people that are helping us, if there have been any. There are so many women through the years that have lifted me up. But just as you asked, the first person that came to mind is a right now person. Because yeah. in becoming visible with using the word menopause and creating a product that's for women's health, 
I've been. I've actually recently been called. I take that as a badge older. of honor. I was called coarse once because I was, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I went from being really insulted to you know what? I'm pretty proud of that. So you should be proud of it, you vulgar woman. You <laughs> talking about intimate health like that? Oh, I think I'll <laughs> so wear it like a badge. So the now person. <laughs> So the now person yeah, um, is, is actually amazing, Sandy Lowry's from Women Beyond 40. Oh, I, I just love her vision of lifting women. It just is so in line That's with me right. because I feel like when I one agree. of us rises, we all and we rise. Never all get it. I mean, yeah. the, the image that I have in my head is, and it's a, it's a sort of an employed one, but it's still, I really like it, is that if you're trying to bash on a glass ceiling, and even if you do it with a hammer as one woman, you're only going to get a tiny hole. But imagine if all of us bash on it at the same time. It's gone. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, well, yeah. I love Sandy. So that's a, that's a beautiful <laughs> shout-out. And for anyone who is listening, go and subscribe to w- Women Beyond 40 magazine and go and listen to her podcast, The Good Girl Confessional, and buy some happy paws at the same time. Um, okay. What about juggling work and life? This is going to be an interesting one because I, I imagine life is very important and work is very secondary for you. But what sort of hours do you work? And, uh, you know, are you making sure you're not going to burn out? <laughs> yeah, well, for, for us, because we had so long semi-retired, I'm okay. adamant about trying to get back to four days of focus max it's not happening right now in the in the, a little bit of the climb, but it's on the agenda in this financial year. Um, I think four days is the sweet spot. But the other thing is in juggling that balance through all of our lifespan, my big thing was always well, yes, love what you true. do enough that it doesn't feel like work. And find a work that respects you and respects and yeah. trusts your work ethic to allow you to juggle. Um, one of the things we did as an employer, which wasn't done back in the oh, day. Fantastic. Nobody because ever missed a school event. that's the reason why a lot of people, I mean, that's the reason I went into business for um, myself I'm, many, many years ago was that, you know, the job, it was still, you know, we're going to have a meeting at six and I was like, I've got to pick up my child from childcare, which I don't really want them to be there anyway, but if they're going to be there, you know, I'm going <laughs> to spend some time with them. So, Yeah. Um, okay, well, it sounds pretty idyllic. So, but at the moment, you're just doing sort of a few hours here and there, and all the rest of it is just fun. Is that what your life is like? <laughs> okay, that, so what's it, it like, like now? Three happy paws. <laughs> but but now I, I suppose I'm because I, we're putting everything we've got into getting happy paws to the next level. We just have to make sure that we incorporate lots of fun. So if there's a marketing run oh, or delivery to a pharmacy. We make sure we tie in a date as well. Um, you know, make sure that there's a walk or that we go and watch the sunrise on the beach somewhere different on the way to wherever we're going. And, and just making sure that we incorporate in enough of a mix that we don't feel like we've yeah. sacrificed <clears throat> that you, blissful you just, sort honestly, of retirement I want your for life. the venture. It just sounds fantastic. I love it. And I have no doubt at all that Happy Pause is going to go really, really well. <laughs> and um, certainly I'll do whatever I can to help you with it because I love the idea of what you've done. And it's something that not very many women talk about. You know, so no, no I, I've never been to an event where someone said, oh, I'm really dry and I've been trying these products and they're ge- I'm getting an allergic reaction or they're not working because no one ever talks 
talks about it. So it's great that you're opening up that conversation. It's, it's just horrific because they reckon like the research is coming out of Europe right now. It used to be that they thought maybe 50%. Now they're saying 70% of us over 40 experience dryness, but we're still facing yeah. that less than 20% of us are willing to talk about it. And then of the 20% that talk about it, less than 20% wow. of those are willing okay. to do yeah. anything. And it's so simple. Like, and, and I guess that's part of the whole thing of why I did happy pause anyway, because we don't want to do anything with some and big, huge and applicator and, and a big yeah. bluggy dose. But if this, yeah. So just applying a little bit of something that is soft and gentle, just the same time as you do your moisturizer after your shower at night. Well, it's kind of like Without any residue so, side effect. It's yeah. just and, and, you magic. Know, and, and your timing is perfect because we are a wave of women that are getting older now. Um, you know, we were all there. There was the big wave of mums. Now there's the big wave of women over 50. Just watch this space. <laughs> you know, it, it, I, I'm just delighted to hear about what you're doing. All right. Here's a really crazy question that a journalist suggested that I ask, and I love asking it, which is, is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for sharing? Now, I know you're pretty open, so I'm, I can't imagine there's a lot of things people don't know, but is there some quirky little thing that <laughs> you can share with us? That I had the opportunity to see Star yeah. Wars when it was originally released in a little theater in the town of Boot Hill, which so is, is the old what, what fort town on the edge it, of Dodge City, Kansas. What was it? No, it, it was just it was just a little itty bitty like. Well, a truly old with the saloon, the saloon like, and the whole whatever lot. cowboy town. What was left of a cowboy town was just a. a I, we actually went. I had um, a cherry coat oh, with wow. Miss Kitty from Gunsmoke in the saloon after the movie. But the only reason we ended up there was because my brother Gary had taken <laughs> my mum and I fishing, and my mum wouldn't shut up. <laughs> She thought we were going out to have a big <laughs> chat and bonding thing, and he kept moving his stool further away, and she'd keep scooting up closer. And in the end, everything Star went in the back Wars of the truck, of and we things. went off to Dodge Isn't City. Funny? To I Dodge. so clearly remember watching it because <laughs> we were about to move to Australia uh, for the first time. My parents were, you know, first gen we're first generation. And mum and dad were packing up the house. I think we were leaving the next day. And they said, all right, we went with the neighbours to go and see Star Wars. I remember it so well. Then jumped on a plane to Australia the next day. So isn't it funny, those iconic <laughs> kind of movies that mean so oh, much to you? Oh, wow. Um, and last but not least, do you, do you use your phone for work or play at all or not really a phone person? Do you know, in a perfect world, I would prefer to rarely use my phone yes, or technology true. because there's so much joy in just being and just, you know, breathing and being connected on the ground, what we do and who we are and the people around us. And that's probably where Instagram and social media have been one of my greatest joys and discoveries for finding my own tribe. Yeah amongst um, incredible women from all over the world. It's also one of my greatest sorrows because it takes so much time. And suddenly now 
We are always well, having to look true. down and check and our I'm phones. And I'm definitely one of those. So our, I'm obsessed with um, my iPhone and the apps that I can get. So I normally do say, um, and and I, w- I reckon it's a 50-50 split of people who say, no, I don't do anything on my phone really, to people like me. that I, I barely use my laptop. I use my phone for everything. Mm. So anyway, um, this has been amazing. I have loved hearing your story, Sandy. Now, how can people buy Happy Paws and what's the best way to get in contact with you if they want to have a chat about any of the other things? Anything. Yes, so buy Happy Paws through our website, which is Happy Paws, so H-A-P-P-Y-P-A-U-S-E dot com dot A-U. So the play on menopause, Happy Paws. Um, There are a number of pharmacies through far north Queensland and north Queensland, and we're growing our footprint larger and larger through the southern health food stores and things. If you have a favorite health food store, ask them to get it, and I'll happily stock it. Um, Right. Instagram right. at happy pause underscore menopause. Of course you can. You can ask and, me anything. And hey, can I come back to you with one quick question oh as well? Oh, my God. <laughs> favorite app. I wasn't expecting that. Um, okay, what is my favorite app? <laughs> well, look, I love – well, I've got two. So I've got the business. Um, my favorite app would be JotNot which actually turns your phone into a scanner so that you can be given a document, just sign it and scan it, and it turns it like into a photocopy black and white, processes it, turns it into a PDF, and you can send it off, which I love. And for fun, every single day I play Words with Friends with my mum and about five other people. I do about 18 games a day, morning and night, and um, Candy Crush, much to the horror of my kids who are, like, saying it's so uncool. And I think I've been doing it for about three or four years. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. So, Sandy, thank you so much for (laughs) being my guest today. I hope that you get a rush of interest on Happy Paws. And, um, and, and I've just loved hearing your story. I can't wait to share it. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.